Hello DC Comics News fans, both friendly and feral, this is the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. How do I know that? Well, two clues. One, I'm your host, Seth Singleton. It's actually my job to know this. I don't know if it's actually a job. When you do what you love, can you really call it work? The second clue for me always is that amazing theme music from our very own Mr. Josh Rayner, editor-in-chief master behind the microphone makes me look good no matter how hard i try to apparently be bad however this is episode number 71 if you're unfamiliar with the format allow me to give you a quick review there are numerous books released by dc comics each and every week and each and every week i pick the top five in my opinion you can agree disagree or we can agree to disagree however These are my picks. I do my best to clarify why, but I always look forward to hearing from you on what I could do better, know more, or perhaps consider in the future. Let's go ahead and kick things off. Now for my first choice, I'm going with a book I really enjoy. I'm reading it from my squeaky chair, so you might hear a squeak. That's okay if it happens. It's just part of the reading experience. Hellblazer, Rise and Fall number one. Now this one really catches my attention, really pricked up my ears. It's a great John Constantine story and a team you're gonna love to experience. Tom Taylor has a valued reputation for bringing things down, destroying them. And in the process, he's teamed up with the amazing Derek Robertson and the phenomenal Diego Rodriguez. The original cover, John leaning against a brick wall with bloody wings, plays wonderfully and symbolically throughout this issue. But it's the variant cover for this Black Label title that really catches my attention I love the pose, I love the poetics, I love the lines and the colors and the faded textures that the artists are so masterfully displaying, and it feeds so perfectly into our introduction. It's a story about John's guilt. It's about what it means to be John Constantine, the boy whose birth meant the death of his mother, who became a burden upon his father, how his very being and presence altered the world around him. Now this holds especially true for two of John's young friends. One who is a bit wealthy, and because of that, treated poorly by John, who he was only trying to impress. Now, Billy Henderson, being shy, was of course a perfect opposite to the one, the much cooler and a little bit older, Aisha Bakari, who was an interest for John and someone he's trying to impress, unfortunately, His efforts lead only to another tragedy, more guilt, greater responsibility, and the continued dark shadow or cloud that seems to hover around Constantine. Wherever he goes, whatever he does, this is part of who he is. And through that, we are introduced to a present day, a John we've already experienced in so many different stories from Justice League to Justice League Dark throughout Swamp Thing and others. A John who is on the case because when it comes to certain things, like men falling out of the sky with wings attached to their bodies, 
which are then stolen from the morgue, the wings I mean, not the bodies, and are made of a texture that the best scientists involved in this case are still working to decipher, if not identify. There's some great moments in here that are absolutely lovely. There are teases for a bigger plot down the road, but at the moment, there is that feeling that John's sins, John's responsibilities, and his guilt have been a part of who he is in the present and continue to follow him throughout all of the events he experiences. Along the way, you also get some other great new characters like Aisha's partner, Gary, as well as a few classics like our wheelman, Mr. Chaz. The art is a perfect match to this very dark and compelling story. And it's matched by great lines, great colors, great shadows, and this feeling of a dark and sinister London, even when it's daylight, the morning time, no less, and John's recovering from a bit of a bender, perhaps on someone's couch, perhaps being awoken by their kids. You'll have to read it all to know for sure. What I can say is this was a really great title that shows just how much John is involved, whether he wants to be or not, and how the sins of his past continue to follow him. I think it's a great experience and a wonderful version of John's life and a story that feels original, one that has never been told and yet was waiting to be. Makes for a great five out of five experience and a really fun way to kick off my first issue for this episode. Let's go ahead and take a look at my second choice. And for that second choice, I went with The Dreaming. Waking Hours, issue number two. This amazing collaborative effort with G. Willow Wilson, Nick Robles, and Matt Lopez. We open in a dream. A dream in which one character, sadly, is trapped and she can't seem to get out. Stratford upon Avon, the famed residence of Shakespeare. In this case, many Shakespeare's. A Lindy who traveled here in a dream and through the process of running into an escaped nightmare named Ruin, Lindy has become caught on this side of a veil while Ruin and Lindy's baby are in the real world, or at least the waking one we call the real world. Issue number two continues the adventure of Lindy as she meets, argues, and holds conferences with the many Shakespeare's who exist in this dream existence that she is currently calling her home, while Ruin seeks out a friend to help understand exactly what to do with this baby that has become Ruin's responsibility. All the while, Ruin is driven by a desire to simply find a beautiful boy, one whose dream was turned into a nightmare, one who Bruin wishes to see again, just because it means something so much more than just a dream experience, and also because there's this want that Bruin's never experienced. 
and now wants to understand even more so. It's a great story that feeds into some lovely slice of life social media criticisms featuring Auntie Heather, a bit of a live streaming, and also the introduction to Ruin's origin. Ruin is a very sad, but for some reasons, also very likable character. Not pitying, but definitely one who is lonely and lost and looking for love. Thankfully, Auntie Heather is not just a social media personality. She does have a history of magic and what she can do and what she can bring about for them might help unravel this trouble. But there's also the knowledge that Ruin escaped from a box which is governed by the oversight of the dream. And if the dream has discovered what has happened, it's only a matter of time before Ruin is found out and put back in the place from which he escaped. Now, the dream has an opportunity to interrogate the nightmares residing in that box, and his power and visage change to fit this moment. It's a beautiful display. It's great writing, but the textures, the colors, the tones, they, they hearken to all of the great qualities that we remember from the early days of Sandman, and yet at the same time provide a new texture, a new layer, and a present or modern day sense and lens. How will this all come to a close? Part of it will be solved by Lindy's ability to figure out which is the real Shakespeare and perhaps find that to be an escape route and Ruin's decisions to rely on Auntie Heather and provide some sort of future for this baby is going to be matched by Dream's desire to bring Ruin back to where he belongs. I'm not sure what the resolution will be, and I have a feeling it won't be soon which should make for a really fun journey as we travel through these next issues. I feel issue number two sets us up very well. I think G. Willow Wilson is crafting a great narrative that gives us a lot of things to look forward to. And these early hints for at least what's coming in the next issue are ones I'll be looking forward to. I'm hoping I get to share them with you here on the Spinner Rack. But that brings us to a close with this five out of five choice to my first two selections for episode number 71. That means we need to take an ad break, let our editor, Joshua Rayner, fill you in on all the great things going on here at DC Comics News and in the comics world at large, and then come back for my third, fourth, and fifth choices. Thanks for hanging around. Thanks for your patience. We'll be right back. Hi, everyone. I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics News podcast. Here every week to talk everything DC. Movies, TV, comics, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. 
Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. <laughs> <laughs> No. Hello, listeners. This is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. First, there was the DC Comics News podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the night. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the night. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton. And I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making Bat Shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Gogurt. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nuts. I definitely do not in need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f with Lois Lane. For f**k's sake. I'm a damn good cop. A lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. All right, and hey there. Welcome back. Thanks for your patience. Thanks for checking out all the great things we have going on. Like something in particular? Yeah. That's something we want to hear about. Let us know. Stay tuned to the end for all the ways we make sure you can tell us all the things you think about everything we're doing here at DC Comics News. From the Spinner Rack to the weekly podcast, our guest interviews, people you'd like to hear us interview. All that and more we'll get to right now. It's time for my third choice here on the Spinner Rack, episode number 71. And my third choice is The Terrifics, number 30. Man, this book, so much fun. Great writing by Jean Luen Yang, wonderful pencils, Sergio Davila, Vincente Suentes on inks, Proto Bunker with the colors, Tom Napolitano with the letters. The finale to The Tomorrow War starts off in a bit of a precarious position. If you're floating out in space without a lot of help, it can be a challenge to understand how you're going to get back home. 
But when you've got Plastic Man on your side, all things are possible. Plus, for some reason, Metamorpho never gives up, even when it seems like it's the technology that they need that's actually going to do him in. Now we've got this stag family feud with the senior elder patriarch passing recently and his unwanted son coming into the picture to try and take away the inheritance that should be going to Rex's true love. Now, a war has broken out between the Terrifics and Stag, who's joined by his Stagbot, not the real name, but a cute nickname for me this time around, as well as a few hired guns like Lobo. They've been putting the squeeze on the Terrifics and have landed in Gateway City to employ a master plan that includes the Parasite. It's kind of an ugly thing. Just picture a giant toothy Parasite head on yours and what can happen if that thing's in control. Thankfully, there's also really great, <laughs> wonderful moments from the Terrifics who, as epitomized by Mr. Terrific, respond with an impossible with the terrifics figuring out the impossible is what we do and do they do it's a great collaboration between the terrifics the t council mr terrifics t spheres and we even get the campus the terrific campus that had been such a birthplace for ingenuity transforms into something new and leads us to a very satisfying ending that not only closes out the Tomorrow War, but brings this really great arc to an end. It's a lot of joy, and one of the reasons why Terrifics is so much fun to include every episode, deservedly so, for the storytelling, for the impossibility, for the reasons that make it one of those great examples of storytelling in comics that doesn't have to explain every detail to make it right simply has to tell you how it's done why it happened and what you can look forward to next i'm hopeful that we will see more of the terrifics in the future and i'm really glad i got a chance to share this one with you as my third choice with that in mind I'm going to go ahead and say this 5 out of 5 book launches us perfectly into my next choice, which would have to be Deceased Dead Planet number 3. Now, it should come as no surprise that with a title like Deceased Dead Planet, you generally get the idea that things have not been going well. This is also another Tom Taylor book, and one that demonstrates that Tom can show us the worst of what happens when things fall down. He started it out uh, way back with Injustice, and along the way, what he's shown us since is that whatever we want, whatever we think, should simply be set to the side so that we can enjoy everything he's going to do and change. Great Pencils by Trevor Harrison. We've got Lovely Inks by Gigi Baldassini. Colors by Rain Barreto. Letters by Saida Temofante. With an original cover by David Finch and Stephen Furchow. And a variant cover by Francesco Mattina 
and Yasmin Putri. Man, it just gets more complicated. Sure, you might think that you're safe inside of a giant green planet ball, but at the same time, if you're surrounded in this ball of plants by a rampaging, shape-shifting monster and next to a wall of hellfire, you're really not in a good position. You're simply holding off the inevitable. How do you get out of something like this? Well, for starters, you rely on magic, and you keep in mind that John Constantine is trapped inside the screen protection with amazing magicians like Zatanna, and that as they leap out and bring to a close this chapter, we then find where the rest of our mates will be waiting for them, a place built for the wealthy to keep alive a certain elevated segment of society, while at the same time performing some, well, ethically questionable approaches to keeping them alive. They enrage Swamp Thing and lead to a separation between these two groups. Now, in another part of this story, we also have a second team, Harley, Wonder Girl, a new Superman and Batman, a Batman who sews, by the way, and one who is working on a plan that will include some characters not yet seen in this story and a hope that has been provided by a cyborg who was once separated from his body and now has been rejoined with it and because of that has redirected the efforts of all those present towards a possibility once considered impossible if not outright insane and yet the likelihood the proof through cyborg and what he can tell them suggests a glimmer of hope one that could lead to an amazingly positive conclusion or be the impetus for disaster and the reason why things all come crashing down deceased number three dead planet it's it's a tough book these books about things dying about caring about people and then losing them it's not easy but it's so well done that when it shows you just how meaningful these characters are by bringing them into such dangerous situations and knowing most won't survive. Wow, it's really a great opportunity to recognize in yourself just how great these characters are because of what they mean and how even in a alternate timeline, the idea that their lives could be threatened, that we would see them suffer or that they could lose suddenly becomes such a powerful component and for me it keeps me turning page after page panel after panel which is why i'm sure in the future you can expect more of deceased dead planet here on the spinner rack now it's time after that five out of five book to shift gears again so we can take a look at my fifth and final choice 
Perhaps one of the most well-quoted lines in poetry comes from the Robert Frost poem, which says, Two roads stood before me, and I chose the one less traveled by. In The Road Not Taken, Robert Frost suggests the possibility of what happens through the process of our choices. And in my fifth and final choice, Justice League number 52, choice is exactly what's at the crux of this story. It's a garden, one of mercy, the garden of mercy. This is the conclusion featuring the writing of Jeff Loveness, who really impressed me with uh, this short arc. Great pencils from Robson Rocha. Great inks by Daniel Henriquez. Gorgeous colors by Romolo Fajardo Jr. Letters by Tom Napolitano, who you might have heard me mention just a little bit ago on this episode. Gorgeous cover by Cully Hammer with a variant cover by Nick Darrington. Some lovely stuff here. I, I really not only was moved by the story, but the art is something that really caught my attention. You've seen, we all have, so many versions of Crime Alley. And each one needs to have a specific tone. If it's going to stand apart from all the other versions that have come before it, well, it's clear that the pencils from Robson Rocha do so and then transition wonderfully into this creepy Black Mercy planet, one in which the plant, which was a part of a very classic Superman story that has been featured in comics, retold in animated stories, and now has been referenced in this story, a plant that at that time was able to hold prisoner, the most powerful hero in the DC universe. And now that plant on a planet that thrives on the bodies of all the figures and creatures and personas that have been lured to the planet and after they arrived become prisoners and a food source for a planet hungrily seeking out a way to continue. It's about survival and it's also about seduction because while each character is experiencing the alternate futures that Black Mercy offers. It's Bruce whose story that this issue drops us into. It shows us a mother's love and a possibility for Bruce Wayne, one that doesn't include the Batman, one that allows a mother's son to take off the mask and become greater and more. Now it's the decision on Bruce's part to instead reject this and he's aided by the justice league who through their individual and combined efforts are able to break free are able to find a way back out but there's also a promise made through a great discussion by superman and batman at the end of this issue it's one that brings the story into context and i'm thinking it might make you want to read over one or two more times once you're done and that when you do, you'll find that there's a suggestion that Superman is making and a possibility that Bruce experienced, one that could lead to a future line of storytelling for Batman that would match with the Superman run we've seen recently. 
about how the Black Mercy can suck you in with the promise of a life never before thought possible, and how at that same experience can offer you a chance to consider just how to make that alternate reality into a present-day reality, or at least as close to it as possible. It's an interesting idea, one in which characters and people can discover that just because they are in a situation or a place doesn't mean that it's somewhere they have to stay, and that if they are willing to put in the work to get out, then the possibilities are no longer as limited as they currently seem, and a future that should be considered is waiting out there to be explored. A really great five out of five book for me, again, there was a lovely combination of great talent. Jeff Loveness, who really impressed me with his writing, the wonderful colors by Ropes and Rocha, the, or I'm sorry, the pencils, as well as these absolutely gorgeous colors. I, the team effort was so smooth. I know I'm blending together names when I don't mean to. But the seamless quality that they create from the beautiful to the haunting to the terrifying to the tender are so well matched and layered. It is both a dreamy, timeless story as well as one that feels so specific, so original, so significant that it can fit in canon with the original Black Mercy story and all those wonderful tales that have preceded it and hopefully will follow in this example and resonate with the energy that I really enjoyed as I was reading it. What a great experience. What a great five out of five book. What a great way for me and us to wrap up episode number 71 here of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. I've been your host, Seth Singleton. Really, it has been a pleasure to bring these books to you. I love it each and every time. I enjoy coming back each and every week with new surprises, new possibilities, new books for you to consider. Now, how do you make sure you never miss one? That's easy. Just make sure, if you haven't yet, that you're subscribed on whatever podcast platform you're currently listening. We're on all the big ones, like Google, Apple, Spotify, and more, and so many others. In fact, we'd love to hear, I know I would, which one you listen to on a regular basis and why. You can make sure that you not only get to hear every new episode of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, but here at the DC Comics News Podcast Network, we have so many great original programs that you are going to love as a subscriber. We're talking about Mad Love, a Harley Quinn cast, a body and irreverent look at a very intelligent show about very, very Miss Harley Quinn. There's also the DC Comics News Weekly News Podcast where we catch up on all the goings-on in movies, TV, streaming, comics, and more. Then there's I Am The Night, an episode-by-episode breakdown by our very own Mr. Steve J. Ray. A great experience. I encourage you to relive the series through and then go back and watch it again. So much more coming soon, whether it's Felicky's Fashions or Tropesville. You'll want to make sure you're here to catch it all. Subscribe now and never miss a new episode. Got a question for us, something you need us to know, want us to hear, consider, or more. 
Find us on all your favorite social media platforms. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Tumblr, Twitter. All you need is the at symbol in DC Comics News. That's at capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N-E-W-S. Leave us that note. Let us know that great comment, criticism, or question. We promise to respond, and we can't wait to hear from you. This has been DC Comics News, episode number 71. And as we like to say here, until next time, read more comics. Thanks, everybody. Stay safe, yeah?